Due to the graphic nature of the skull and bones rituals, listener discretion is advised. This episode involves brief discussions of sexual activities. We advise caution for listeners under 13. In the fall of 2004, two vastly different candidates were competing for the highest position of power in American government, President of the United States. Republican incumbent President George W. Bush represented a conservative platform. He focused on national security and the war against terrorism. His opponent, Democratic Senator John Kerry, had completely different ideals. Kerry supported the pro-choice movement and criticized the war in Iraq. In debating various topics like government funding, gay rights, and stem cell research, the two men couldn't have disagreed more. These candidates seemingly had nothing in common. However, there was one important detail about their pasts that they shared, a lifelong membership to an elite group of powerful men, a bond akin to brotherhood. As undergraduates, George W. Bush and John Kerry both attended Yale University in New Haven, Connecticut. And during this time, both candidates became members of an exclusive secret society, the Skull and Bones. By 2004, there were said to be only 800 living members left in the world. The chances that two Skull and Bones members would end up competing against each other for president were remarkably slim. It might have been sheer coincidence, or maybe it wasn't by chance at all. Perhaps it was part of their plan for world domination, a plan almost 200 years in the making. Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a Spotify original from ParCast. Every Monday and Wednesday, we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is our first episode on the elite secret society known as the Skull and Bones. Founded at Yale University in 1832, the organization has bred many powerful men. Known as Bonesmen, some rumored members include former Presidents George W. Bush and William Taft, author William F. Buckley Jr., former U.S. Secretary of the Treasury Stephen Mnuchin, and even actor Paul Giamatti. This episode will cover the history of the Skull and Bones, will expose what we know about their secrets and what happens behind closed doors, and of course, we'll examine what's in store for Bonesmen after graduation. Next time, we'll dive into some of the conspiracy theories about the society, like the possibility that the skull and bones were behind the creation of the CIA, or maybe even the assassination of JFK. Some even claim that the Skull and Bones Society is a stepping stone to the Illuminati and that they may be behind a new world order. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. 
This episode is brought to you by Terminix. There's one thing we can all agree on. Dealing with pests is a pain. But luckily, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. So if your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. This year has gone by so quickly. So much has happened. I mean, I have already completely reconstructed the plumbing in my house. Luckily, not myself. I had help. And you know, with everything going on in life, sometimes it's important to slow down. Take a minute to reflect and make adjustments for the rest of the year ahead. And if you need a little help with that, therapy is an excellent option. I have loved therapy so much, in part because of the coping mechanisms it's given me. It's not just a place to share my feelings about my life or what's going on. I've learned ways to address my own mental habits so that I can handle what I'm doing even better. I've learned that self-care is not selfish, and it's really made a big difference in my life. If you want to give therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, and all you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get started. Plus, you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So take a moment for yourself. Visit BetterHelp.com conspiracy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash conspiracy. Welcome back to Collector's Closet, presented by the Ohio Lottery. Let's discuss my newest prize possession, this new $10 scratch-off, the $500,000 Platinum Jackpot. The best method I've found so far to help it hold its value is to vacuum seal it. This thing cannot get scratched. What's that? Sorry, my producer's telling me the only way it could be worth up to 500 grand is if I do scratch it? Okay, well, in that case, definitely don't overprotect your $500,000 Platinum Jackpot scratch-offs. Play them. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. In the 189 years since the Society's creation, Skull and Bones members have gone on to succeed in nearly every industry imaginable. Bonesmen have helmed massive conglomerates and media outlets like Time Magazine, Johns Hopkins University, Cornell University, and Morgan Stanley. And they hold positions of power that permeate our society today. Many major American law firms are said to have multiple members of the society on staff. The same goes for the Central Intelligence Agency. Countless Bonesmen have allegedly been CIA operatives. Some even made their way up to higher rankings, including former CIA director George H.W. Bush. On top of that, all three branches of the United States government have included bonesmen, from Supreme Court justices to Congress members. In fact, three United States presidents have been bonesmen. William H. Taft, elected in 1908, George H.W. Bush in 1988, and his son, George W. Bush, in 2000. You're probably wondering how this kind of collegiate society came to fruition, and the answer is not only surprising in terms of who, but where. It all began in the early 1830s in Germany, of all places. There, a young Yale student by the name of William Huntington Russell was studying abroad, 
William was born in 1809 in Middletown, Connecticut, to a very successful family. His father worked in local politics as the city treasurer of Middletown and later as the state's attorney for the county. But one of his family's most important accomplishments actually happened a century earlier. Two of William's ancestors, Reverend Noadiah Russell and Samuel Russell, were among the ten founding members of Yale University in 1701. They later joined as trustees of the university. So the Russells were pretty well known around campus. In the fall of 1829, William began his own studies at Yale. Two years later, the 22-year-old William decided to spend some time abroad in Germany. There, he became friendly with a man whose name has never been mentioned. But we do know one thing. He was the leader of a mysterious society. Very little is known about William's association with this society, like what they were called or what happened behind closed doors. But some sources claim it was a branch of the Bavarian Illuminati, a group that aimed to enlighten the most elite members of society. William was allegedly invited to join this group himself, and he became obsessed with their use of symbolism, specifically in matters referring to death. One of his personal favorites was the skull and crossbones. Whatever the society was, they likely practiced a philosophy known as Hegelianism. This popular German philosophy promoted the idea of the collective over the individual. In other words, the group looked out for each other, putting the needs of the group before their own. As William's studies in Germany came to an end, he looked forward to implementing some of these ideals into his honor society at Yale, a brotherhood known as Phi Beta Kappa. But when he returned to campus in 1832, he was distraught to learn that Phi Beta Kappa had changed drastically. When William first joined Phi Beta Kappa, it was a lot like a secret society. But in his absence, the group had publicized many of their private signals, like signs and secret handshakes. They even stopped performing ceremonial rituals. Now they were more focused on academics and honors. In fact, Phi Beta Kappa was setting the stage for the collegiate fraternities we know today. But William was frustrated by this change, so much so that he reportedly left Phi Beta Kappa completely. To him, it seemed like the only way forward was to create something different. So he enlisted the help of his friend, fellow Yale student Alfonso Taft, to dream up something entirely new and secret. Together, they founded the Order of the Skull and Bones. Their first order of business was recruitment. If they wanted to be taken seriously as Yale's one and only secret society, they needed loyal members. So William and Taft set out to enlist 13 other male students to the Skull and Bones. They scoured the campus for the best of the best. Academic leaders, the football captain, members of the student government, in fact, only well-connected pupils were invited to join the elusive society. After the members were handpicked by William and Taft, they were told to keep information about the inner workings of the group to themselves. New recruits even took a formal oath, promising not to reveal any details about the group to non-members, 
for as long as they shall live. Throughout the 1800s, the Skull and Bones continued to claim they were basically a men's college fraternity. Officially, their goal was to connect like-minded students together on campus. But off the record, there were rumors of a bigger plan. Some believed they were conspiring to take over the university, maybe even the entire world. The society continued to expand at Yale. Even after William Russell graduated, he still played a major role in the Skull and Bones. In 1856, he created the Russell Trust Association with the help of another Bonesman alumni named David Coit Gilman. The trust was a sort of financial safety blanket. As members left campus and started making money of their own, they gave regular contributions, ensuring the longevity of the society. Along with consistent funding, the society made a big investment at Yale itself, a building just for the skull and bones. It was placed in New Haven and was known only as the tomb. The tomb is another symbol of the society's cryptic ideals. The building evokes an eerie, mausoleum-like feel. And to this day, supposedly only Skull and Bones members are allowed inside. Many suspect that the interior was inspired by William Russell's infatuation with his first German society. Allegedly, the tomb's walls are engraved with German phrases and artwork. According to Alexandra Robbins' book, Secrets of the Tomb, an anonymous bonesman noted one phrase in particular. It translates to, quote, Who was the fool? Who the wise man, beggar or king? Whether poor or rich, all's the same in death. Understandably, it's quotes like this that have led people to make assumptions about the group's ideals. Once you're in the skull and bones, everyone's equal. As the society built a visible presence on the Yale campus, other students grew curious about the elusive group. Some were even inspired to start their own secret societies. Following in its footsteps were Yale's Scroll and Key, which was founded in the mid-1800s. And later, a group called the Wolf's Head, established in the 1880s. But by the 1870s, many Yale students believed there was something more nefarious about Skull and Bones than the others, especially after a rumor spread that the Russell Trust Association had gotten control of the university's finances. There are few confirmed details about how or why exactly this rumor came to be. But in his book, America's Secret Establishment, Author Anthony C. Sutton points to an article in a student magazine called The Iconoclast as proof. According to it, this was the beginning of the Skull and Bones takeover of Yale. At this time, most student newspapers were probably under some sort of censorship pressure by the Skull and Bones. The two established campus journals had blackout agreements when it came to printing stories about the bones. The iconoclast, on the other hand, didn't practice this policy. So, in 1873, an anonymous writer dug up what they could about the skull and bones. They found that the university's finances were dwindling, and they were certain the society had something to do with it. The article tied the alleged inner workings of the society to the university's wealthy students. 
It criticized the Skull and Bones process of admitting students, claiming it was based on favoritism. They only initiated members who were already well-connected. At one point in the article, the writer posed suspicions that the society then used that power and wealth to gain control of the entire university. The piece also invited Bonesman to come forward if any of these accusations were false. Yet no one ever did. There's never been any specific evidence to support the claims made in that Iconoclast article. However, it is worth noting that according to Sutton, every president of Yale from the year 1881 on has either been a member of the Skull and Bones or has had direct familial connections to the society. After the article was published, it became well known that the Skull and Bones disliked the press or anyone prying for information on the group as a whole. The incident overall sent a message to those on campus. Do not publicize the society's inner workings. It was received, apparently, as 100 years would pass until another story was published. Yet when the next article surfaced, it would be inflammatory. This time, detailing the mysterious and violent initiation practices of the Skull and Bones. Coming up, an outsider witnesses a Skull and Bones ceremony firsthand. The internet. What would we do without it? So much information, so little time. And yet, with all the answers available online, there still lie scores of deep, dark, spooky secrets. Mysteries yet to be solved until now. This isn't clickbait. This is our exclusive new podcast, Internet Urban Legends. I'm Loie, your evidence expert. And I'm Eleanor, the self-proclaimed skeptic. Together, we're the gruesome twosome, sleuths in search of the weirdest stories on the web. Every Tuesday, we investigate the Internet's creepiest conundrums, covering each conspiracy theory and combing through every clue to separate hoax from haunt. Whether it's the video sure to make you lose your appetite, blank room soup, or every kid's worst nightmare, the terrifying truth behind Disney's deaths, or every parent's worst nightmare, social media's Momo challenge. Each episode of Internet Urban Legends is chock full of disturbing details which are either truly demented or ripe for debunking. And no matter our conclusion, we're sure to be left scared half to death. So won't you join us? Follow our new Spotify original from Parcast, Internet Urban Legends. Listen free and exclusively on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least, not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home, like the ants in your kitchen the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of bug it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. And with over 95 years of experience, it's no wonder they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. Now, back to the story. From the Rockefellers to the Tafts to the Whitneys, 
Members of each of these elite American families were rumored to be part of the enigmatic Skull and Bones. Ever since it was formed by William H. Russell in 1832, the society has kept its policy of admitting just 15 members a year. And everyone is required to take a permanent oath of secrecy. However, the bloodline most notoriously connected to the Skull and Bones is probably the Bush family. At least six relatives have been confirmed as part of the secret society. Prescott Bush, father of George H.W., became a Bonesman in 1916. In fact, he's the subject of one of the society's popular rumors. Allegedly, Prescott stole the skull of Apache leader Geronimo as part of his initiation process. George H.W. and his son, George W. Bush, followed in Prescott's footsteps. Both were selected to be Bonesmen in their junior years at Yale, and they too were subjected to the society's strange and mysterious initiation practices. Although stealing skulls doesn't seem to be part of the joining ritual for everyone, there are many different accounts of what actually takes place during the initiation for incoming Bonesmen. But one thing is for sure, the process begins at Yale every spring. Bonesmen refer to it as Tap Day. The outgoing seniors select 15 junior candidates and quite literally tap their shoulders. The subtle gesture is their initiation invite. Later that day, incoming Bonesmen are welcomed into the tomb building where the official ceremony begins. As everything else with the bones, the rest of the process is incredibly secretive. Although, the initiation practices and hazing rituals seem to differ every year. As we've mentioned, Bonesmen notoriously avoid talking to the press and non-members, but there are a few stories that have slipped through the tight lips of its recruits. And in 1977, a journalist by the name of Ron Rosenbaum spilled it all. Rosenbaum attended Yale for a short period in the late 1960s. During this time, he became infatuated with the Skull and Bones and their intense commitment to secrecy. But he was never tapped to become one, so he needed to dig for details. During his research, a source close to the Skull and Bones gave Rosenbaum a serious and rather bizarre warning. He should move his money to a different checking account. Apparently, Bonesmen were on the board of his current bank. If he followed through on his reporting, they'd be sure to cause financial problems for him. But Rosenbaum was unshaken by the threats. He proceeded with his research and discovered key details through outsiders that were close with Bonesmen. He even scrounged up some information from a few members. For instance, in 1940, one Skull and Bones initiate was apparently carried into the tomb while inside of a coffin. He was told to chant the word reborn over and over again. After being released from the coffin, he was given an official Bones robe. This signified the person's death as what they call barbarians. Donning the robe represented his rebirth as a senior Bonesman or knight as they're referred to by other society members. Themes of death and rebirth seem to be common with Skull and Bones initiation ceremonies. 
We know this because another iteration describes how incoming bonesmen were allegedly led into the tomb blindfolded and physically beaten with human skeletons, which were scattered throughout the room. They were then forced to plunge into a pile of mud in a sort of cleansing ritual. Apparently, in addition to antlers and taxidermied animals, the tomb's decor within its inner sanctum is reportedly decorated with human remains. Some of these skeletons are rumored to be stolen from the graves of public figures. People like Mexican revolutionary Pancho Villa, former U.S. President Martin Van Buren, and as we mentioned, the Apache leader Geronimo. As eerie as this decor may sound, one source told author Alexandra Robbins that their headquarters is, quote, more funny spooky, sort of like the Adams family. It's not glamorous by any means. But as Ron Rosenbaum continued his research, he didn't get the feeling that this was some juvenile joke. He learned that elder bonesmen, known as patriarchs, also returned to campus each spring just to oversee the initiation process. During these ceremonies, patriarchs gave the recruits a new name, one that would be used during official Bones business. For example, Magog is the name assigned to the most sexually experienced new member, while Long Devil is given to the tallest Bonesman of the class. Allegedly, this naming practice is a way to separate Skull and Bones members from the civilian world. It's another reminder that death and rebirth is an important theme in Bones. Rosenbaum's sources also showed how deep the society's bonds run. Supposedly, there's some huge monetary benefits to joining. According to Alexandra Robbins, Bonesmen are promised financial security once they're initiated. She says this is so members won't threaten to sell the secrets of the society just to make a buck. The huge payday is effective at keeping the society silent for life. Another source told Ron Rosenbaum that incoming bonesmen are immediately given a gift of $15,000 straight from the Russell Trust Association. Other gifts include an expensive grandfather clock, which is supposedly given to each member when they get married. Although reports from other bonesmen made us wonder which, if any of these gifts, are actually real. As for the $15,000, when Robbins interviewed former bonesman Rex Cowdery, he claimed, quote, I'm still waiting for mine. Despite the gifts, being included as a bonesman doesn't necessarily mean an end to the hazing. By the end of their senior year, apparently members must solidify their bond to one another which means each person has to give two detailed confessions to other members. An outgoing bonesman must vulnerably share his autobiography with the group. This includes intimate details of his life, which could mean anything from personal ambitions to childhood traumas and personal shame. The weekend set aside for these confessions is allegedly dedicated to new members confessing their entire sexual history. Each bonesman must give explicit details about every sexual experience they've been through. Some people have speculated that this confession is done inside a coffin while masturbating. Purportedly, these anecdotes are kept under lock and key by the skull and bones. They're never to be shared unless a member betrays their oath of secrecy. Then they might be used as blackmail. 
While Rosenbaum's findings were groundbreaking, most of what he learned in his reporting was through hearsay. He hadn't witnessed any of the Bonesmen in action himself. That is, until 1986. That year, Rosenbaum was suddenly faced with an opportunity to see how far the Bones' oath of secrecy would stretch. He was aboard Air Force Two, writing a story for the New Republic on one of the most famous Bonesmen to date, Vice President George H.W. Bush. It's rumored that if a Bonesman is asked about Skull and Bones by an outsider, he should leave the room, ignoring the question entirely. But that option wasn't exactly available for the vice president, 36,000 feet in the air. It seems Rosenbaum knew this and decided this was the perfect time to ask his question. In response, Bush stated that the Skull and Bones Society, quote, wasn't about leadership as much as it was about friendship. A bonesman had gone on record acknowledging the society, and while it wasn't much, it was from a person in power who had been long rumored to be a member. And even more, Ron Rosenbaum would get even more answers 15 years later. In April of 2001, Rosenbaum was working for a newspaper called the New York Observer. Still obsessing over the secret society, he returned to his alma mater to do some more digging. There, he met up with a group of current Yale students who'd made a revolutionary discovery. They could see into the tomb's building courtyard from a nearby rooftop. Rosenbaum was skeptical at first, but once he got to the top of the adjacent building, he was thrilled with the view. It was true. He could see directly into the Bonesman's most secretive space. Rosenbaum brought a video camera and recorded one of their initiation ceremonies. Although the video isn't great quality, it's evident that the Skull and Bones did engage in some bizarre rituals. The footage shows initiates and patriarchs are in costumes and robes, performing what seems to be some odd theatrical event. One person is dressed as George W. Bush. The more harrowing aspect, though, is that the initiates appear to be verbally and physically abused by the patriarchs. They're repeatedly screamed at while being forced to kneel and kiss a skull. So for all its mystery, Rosenbaum had finally learned a little bit about what happens inside the tomb, and what he saw confirmed many of the strange rumors he'd heard about for decades. But if all the allegations about the ceremonies and rituals were correct, then that opened yet another door. There might be some truth to more rumors, namely, the one that perhaps the Skull and Bones were planning a global takeover after all. Coming up, we get a sense of the life of a Bonesman post-graduation. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Now, back to the story. From what we know, the Skull and Bones initiation process runs the gamut. From stealing famous skulls to getting kidnapped in coffins, 
and before graduation day, Bonesmen are apparently required to confess their darkest secrets to one another. But once a Bonesman graduates from Yale, his dedication to their new brotherhood is far from over. Each year, patriarchs and current Bonesmen have a reunion. They come together at a private property called Deer Island. Deer Island spans 50 acres on the brink between Canada and New York State. And the only way to get to the island is by chartering a boat. According to writer Alexandra Robbins, this is where Bonesmen gather to, quote, get together and rekindle old friendships. Members reportedly bring their spouses and children as a way to keep the society family-oriented. Younger Bonesmen may even be introduced to a member's daughter, setting up the possibility of a marriage in the future. Eerily enough, it's actually pretty common for marriages between various Bonesmen's families. William Howard Taft's son married a woman from another Bones family. Even John Carey's first wife was the twin sister of a fellow member. On the outside, the annual retreat to Deer Island looks like a summer camp. But when the sun sets and their families turn in, the Bonesmen have business to tend to. We can't say for certain what happens behind the scenes at Deer Island, but the 2000 movie The Skulls, starring Joshua Jackson and Paul Walker, depicts a dark version of the society. It's pretty hard to ignore the coincidence that in the film, new initiates are invited to a paradise-like location resembling Deer Island. In the movie, the two main characters are treated lavishly, They're given elegant rooms to stay in, beautiful women to romance, and even brand new sports cars, all as welcome gifts. But the movie also explores the society's strange rituals on the island. One, for instance, is a duel with real guns and life and death stakes. There's no proof that these activities actually happen on Deer Island in real life. But we're also not convinced they don't since the location is incredibly isolated and its members are so tight-lipped. The only thing we do know for certain is that anonymous Bonesmen have claimed the place isn't like it's painted in the movie at all. While it may have been better kept in the early days, recently one Bonesman described Deer Island as, quote, a dump, but beautiful. Aside from the annual retreat to Deer Island, Patriarchs take part in another bonding experience with current Bonesmen. The men reassemble for something called Pat Night, which is like a kind of job fair. Current Bonesmen meet and discuss potential career opportunities with the Patriarchs. Allegedly, some of the Patriarchs in attendance are white-collar lawyers, high-level government officials, and even members of the CIA. People claim that each organization is more eager than the next to take a young and hungry Bonesman under their wing. For example, when George W. Bush graduated from Yale in 1968, he called upon his fellow Bonesman to help find his first job. And it worked. Though he wasn't technically hiring at the time, fellow patriarch Robert Gow offered Bush a lucrative management trainee job at his agriculture company in Texas. Many suspected that Gao had created the position for Bush simply because of their skull and bones connection. In the late 1970s, when George W. Bush was starting his own oil company, he got help from his fellow bonesmen yet again. 
This time, a patriarch-turned-venture-capitalist named William H. Draper invested over $170,000 into Bush's business. All to say, it wouldn't be the last time a patriarch helped Bush financially. Later, George W. Bush ran for president in the year 2000. And unsurprisingly, another bonesman named Stephen Adams opened his pockets. That businessman spent $1 million on billboards in battleground states in support of Bush's campaign. And he'd never even met Bush. When Adams was asked about this generous donation, he admitted that their mutual connection to the Bones played a role in his decision, which makes it pretty clear that the Bones bond runs deep. Though Bush won the election that year, it was by slim margins. He actually lost the popular vote to Al Gore by over 500,000 votes. While we can't say for certain whether the Skull and Bones helped him secure the presidency, it certainly didn't stop George W. Bush from bringing those connections with him to the White House. As in, Bush reportedly held Skull and Bones meetings inside the Oval Office, and then again at Camp David during a presidential retreat. Officially, these meetings were just a reunion for the members to celebrate Bush's win. But there's reason to believe Bush may have had ulterior motives. Many of these bonesmen went on to be appointed by the Bush administration, like General Counsel of Homeland Security, Edward McNally, or the Chairman of the Securities and Exchange Commission, Bill Donaldson. One of his appointees in particular, bonesman Robert McCallum, became Assistant Attorney General, Civil Division under the Department of Justice. He even advocated to allow the reasons behind presidential pardons to be kept a secret. It seemed like the Bonesman Oath of Secrecy had made its way into the highest levels of the United States government. Which we also heard along the campaign trail. Prior to the 2004 election, both George W. Bush and John Kerry were asked about their involvement with the Skull and Bones, and both stayed mum. Kerry simply replied with, it's a secret, then deflected by criticizing Bush's performance as president. When Bush was asked, he too claimed, quote, it's so secret we can't talk about it, end quote. We aren't totally certain that the candidates' connection to the Skull and Bones played a part in their presidential nominations, but the oath of secrecy the two men took in the late 1960s seems to hold to this day. Which makes us wonder, if the Skull and Bones is just another fraternity made to bring good men together, then why are there such stringent rules regarding what they can and cannot say? Many believe that this brotherhood of powerful elite men are complying with this vow of secrecy because they have something to hide. So next time, we'll explore a few conspiracy theories surrounding the society. Like theory number one, the Skull and Bones grooms future members of the CIA. In fact, they may have even helped create the organization. Or theory number two, the Skull and Bones were involved in the 1963 assassination of President John F. Kennedy. And finally, theory number three, the Skull and Bones is a branch of the Illuminati planning to take over the world. We know that the Skull and Bones Society is hell-bent on keeping its inner working secret. 
And when an organization produces such wildly successful men, we can't help but wonder what its true purpose really is. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. We'll be back next time with part two of The Skull and Bones. You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories is a Spotify original from ParCast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler. Sound designed by Scott Stronick, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by Chelsea Gray, with writing assistance by Lori Gottlieb and Mackenzie Moore, fact-checking by Anya Bairley, and research by Bradley Klein. Conspiracy Theories stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy. 